Welcome to the Punk and Pile Drivers Podcast here on the Backbreaker Media Network. And now, your host, Big Bad Boris. The Punk and Pile Drivers Podcast has returned after another somewhat lengthy absence, and this is a special, special episode I'm pretty excited about. It is a two for one, as I do not have one special guest. But I have two special guests. These two gentlemen are going to go head-to-head in the main event of Love Pro Wrestling 3. We're a happy family. No shortage of history involved with these two gentlemen. Uh, first, making his debut on Punk and Pod Drivers, your punk hunk, Mr. Ravenous Randy Myers. Randy, how the hell are you? I'm fantastic, darling. Thank you so much for having me on this aptly titled show. I think it's about time that I got my ass on this show. Right on. I, I appreciate you taking some time out to do this with us. And your opponent and my other guest making his second appearance, God's gift to wrestling sent to save us all, Mr. Michael, Michael Richard Blaze. Mr. Blaze, thank you for hanging out with me again. Of course. You're one of my best friends and you stumbled over my name. What do you well, mean? <laughs> thank you for pointing that out too and not letting it just slide like a real friend would. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to do a little bit of a history lesson here uh, with the two of you before we move into more present events. Now, Randy, you started training and started wrestling uh, a little bit before MRB did. How long before he started did you start your training and start actually working some matches? My first match was in the summer of 2001 for the Matt Rats promotion at the show that they did at the Palace Nightclub downtown Calgary. Uh, who was in that match? Uh, who was in that match? Okay, so it was uh, it was started out a tag match that broke down into a five on one match. So it was me and my um, at the time brother Patrick Myers uh, alongside a guy by the name of Chris Cobain, um, a guy by the name of uh, Nate Nog. Uh, there was one other guy who I'm forgetting against uh, Adam Lust, uh, aka Hannibal. Okay. So that was my very first match. So that Matt Rats, is, I always thought, was a really interesting thing because it had a lot of buzz when it kind of first came about because Eric Bischoff's name was attached to it. And there didn't really seem to, or there doesn't really seem to be a lot of tape of that floating around. I actually have two Matt Rats shows in my kind of wrestling collection. One of them has no sound. I don't know. I have no match listing. I don't know anything about it. I don't know where they were, but you know, whatever happened to the footage and what became of that? Well, apparently you have it. Cause I don't have as much as you do. <laughs> the one with the no sound. Is that the one from the palace? Cause I remember there was, a tape floating around with no sound of that show, I thought. But. I do. I, all I know is I have two shows, um, and one of them has no sound. I know Phoenix Taylor's on one of them, which uh, was one of the reasons why I tracked it. I don't remember who I got it from, but if you like, I can. we can talk off air, and I can send you a copy of that, and you can take a look. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk for sure. I got a so, video of it too, but I don't know if we should talk about that off air. <laughs> so uh, MRB, uh, so how long had had Randy trained before you started? Give me some timelines here because it's all a blur to me. Um, so when did you actually start training, Randy? I started in 2000. So Randy started training about three years before I did. Because I started in 2003 after the Stu Hart 88th birthday show, which I actually saw Randy on at that show. 
the 88th birthday show was that the uh aj styles uh darkness dragon sabu show yeah i went to the show because at the time young me 13 year old kid that likes high spots uh his favorite wrestler at the time was aj Styles, so i found it out and then i saw all the guys in stampede wrestling randy included tj wilson harry smith and all of them and like luckily got to talk to ted about bj's gym after the show and from there on it was like off to the races I actually have tape of that show as well in my uh, collection. So, so when did you guys first meet each other and who kind of did the first introductions? I assume MRB, you were seeking out trainers and seeking out a way to get your foot in the door. So I assume you maybe approached Randy. I think I remember seeing uh, MRB for the first time. I think it was, he was already in the ring. I think I remember you were training with, uh, with turtle boy at the time. Yeah. Like, how I remember it is basically that, like, I was a very shy kid and literally did not talk to anybody. Um, and we kind of just bounced around with different trainers for a little while, for about the first six months I was there. And I had, like, Pete Wilson show me a little bit. Turtle Boy showed me quite a lot. And then it was really, like, to be honest, it was really, like, Randy who actually came and started doing, like, a structured training and really started teaching me how to like do proper bumping and like starting the basics of like working spots, chain wrestling, things like that. And actually like help bring me out of my shell a lot. So well, he's kind of set the fundamentals uh, your way. Randy, what was kind of your first impressions when you saw this young Chucky blaze or soon to be Chucky blaze in the ring? tenacity i remember seeing him and he was like struggling with things and i think like he how far he's come is incredible but he, we, like as we all wrestling doesn't come to uh, me or him naturally i don't think uh i think he'd admit to that um but like watching him struggle at the beginning but then just not giving up on things and just like how he would have trouble with something the first time and then have trouble with it like, maybe even again the 10th time but then by the he would do it 30 40 times in a row until he got it right instead of getting frustrated and giving up right away and i think that's what i saw and what uh, tj wilson saw in him that was just like that uh never giving up attitude that i think both me tj wilson and michael richard blaze all share you know and MRB, you've said this to me in the past that you you are not necessarily an athletic guy and, and these things don't come natural. I remember years ago, we were short a player on our slow pitch team and I gave you a call and asked you if you wanted to come play slow pitch and you you flat out said, I am not an athlete. I have no athleticism in me for, for regular kind of sports whatsoever. Um, I've always been like super honest about that. I honestly like, I'm not a natural athlete. I was like... Anybody who's listened to your other show with me knows the story. Like I was the fat kid growing up, got bullied, everything. And like when I first started, just like Randy saying, like it took me a year to be able to do a proper front roll, honestly. And it's just like drive and like pushing and going. And like, I just don't want to give out because like, I love wrestling. It's all I've ever wanted to do and all I ever wanted to do back then. And I got like lucky too, that I had like, all these guys back then who were willing to support this like kid who by rights probably had no right to get in there at the time and like help bring me out of my shell. Like if it wasn't for guys like Randy and TJ, like I wouldn't have ever 
being able to do that stuff, honestly. So MRB, what were your first impressions of Randy when you first started spending some time with him? Um, my first impressions were honestly, that he was just like a nice guy, like a genuine nice guy that like was willing to like be cool to this kid who like barely talked. Like I was scared to like, I was actually scared to like ask questions at the time because I was a very shy kid and like somehow he started like pulling things out of me and getting me to actually like say like, Oh, like, I think I can try this or like, this is why I feel like I can't do this. And it helped me a lot, like moving forward and being able to figure out how to actually do things. Um, and honestly, just like a very nice and like charismatic guy that was willing to like take the time with a kid <laughs> Thanks, man. So would you say that he kind of helped you, helped bring you out of your shell? Um, I would 100% credit with him, like give credit to him for bringing me out of my shell. Because like if it wasn't, it wasn't for having him around and like talk to me and like joke with me and basically like force me out of my shell, I don't know if I would have ever actually talked to anybody around there or been willing to like try to like you know what i'm saying like try to actually like mm -hmm. push through certain things so he's responsible for this monster we have dealing we're dealing with right now <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i don't know if i should be thankful <laughs> for what he's saying or if i should be like whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, it's not all my fault so uh, randy, i'd say he laid the foundation for sure so randy you you had a few years on mrb in your training what was it when you were teaching him and showing him how to do things uh, what, what did you take from your training that you specifically remember that you wanted or made a special effort to pass on to him when you were teaching him? I think like we were saying like the fundamentals to me are always like what you can grow from. Basically, you need to have like that soil and have something like a ground to like grow things out of. Uh, so really, really like nurturing that. And I, I just like I said, like I, me and myself as well as tj wilson we're all like these kids who were like not your expected who you were going to expect to be wrestlers necessarily we didn't come out to like you know built with muscles stacked six feet five inches tall we were all kind of like scrappy and had to like kind of make it for ourselves and kind of i saw that in him so kind of just instilling in the things that i needed to hear and reminding him uh, that he could do this and just like encouragement like that and and having someone to be there with, you know what I mean? Like having somebody to, to roll around with and having someone to like, that was something that I didn't necessarily always have. Cause I was in a, in the dungeon. So I didn't have anyone that I could just kind of like have free time wrestle with. And that was what I really wanted to install there. But also the things I learned from like Tokyo Joe, my training with him, as well as my training in the dungeon. And just a kind of, like I said, those kind of like core old school wrestling techniques. So when did you guys get a chance to first start actually working each other in matches, be it in, in Stampede at first or, pre, or PWA? What year was that? It would have been like 2000. Was that like 2007 or something that we first had matches against each other? Um, I actually think our first match was when I believe it was November of 2000. Five? You've okay. got a ridiculous memory for this stuff. You pull these dates out of your butt, and it always impresses me because I can't remember nothing. 
No, I appreciate yeah, it. I think it was November or December of 2005 when you actually decided it was a great idea to just drop kick me in the face while I was sitting at ringside as a young lion and beat the ever-loving shit out of me for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, I think that was. I can remember that, yeah. And then, yeah. then and, got you, and you got the fuck over. You were fucking over that night, man. So what other memories do you guys have from some of your, your earlier matches? I, I assume there was some tag team stuff with Brandon Van Danielson involved in there as well. I actually remember. I actually remember just a few months after I won the Young Lions Cup. I think it was January 2017. I actually beat Randy to become the youngest ever British Commonwealth champion. Totally, yeah. That's a good memory. Totally, that that was that was our first like sanctioned match. I think the first one maybe I think was like kind of I did the attack on you and maybe it yeah. went to a match. Like I don't remember if it was a, did, it, did I pin you or did was it like a match match or was it like oh uh, you kind of a, okay? Was, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it that way, but I, meant, I didn't know if it actually was uh yeah. And then yeah, the next one was that you re- we wrestled for the championship and then you beat me that night. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that I'm curious, just for from a personal standpoint. Um, when you guys started coming up from Calgary to work the PWA shows, how, how different was the vibe between the PWA shows and the stampede shows? Cause I never worked, I never got a chance to work for stampede. So I don't know what it was like, but was there a different vibe between those two companies and how they ran those shows and how the fans were and how the events were? I think we brought up the same vibe from Calgary that we had. So, cause we were kind of like. Not as much, I, maybe you could say clicky, but it wasn't like necessarily um, in a way that we were like excluding other people, but we definitely were like, or trying not to. Um, we were definitely had like our, because we hung out so much in Calgary. We were spent so much time training together that from my perspective, I think we brought a lot of that energy in our core group up. Um, there was definitely different ways the shows were run, but um, I think overall my energy felt pretty much the same and getting to work with similar people. MRB, did you have any kind of different or like feelings or things were different between the PWA shows and the Stampede shows? This is always just something I'm curious about personally. Uh, I think on my end, the very beginning was a little bit different just because like me and Brandon were judged so harshly for how young we were. Mm-hmm. So I remember it was like basically pulling teeth for like Randy and Grizz to get us booked to begin with. Because it was just like, oh, these guys are kids. There's like no way they could do this. And Stampede was much more open to that. Probably because like Randy and TJ were like so involved in Stampede at the like top level. But then once like we were booked on the shows, like we had these guys looking out for us. So it really wasn't that much of a different vibe once we were actually ingrained in the company. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. It was a little bit of like, because you both were younger. How old were you at that time? Um, I believe we made our debut when we were 17. Okay, which looking back now, if the wrestling scene now is incredibly young, but it still was at that time uh, a young, like for people to take a chance on. So it was hard. I remember that trying to like being frustrated with trying to get you booked. Do you remember your first PWA match? Uh, I was like a 10 man tag at Night of Champions in 2007. Cool. Is that what we did the Canadian Destroyer off the top? Uh, no, that was a few months later. The 10-man tag was like, I think Boris was actually, I think, I think I was actually on his team. Okay. Oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Team Boris versus Team Dolby. I remember that now. That was your first match? I think we did talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. You like, were on my team. The main thing I remember was like a lot of you guys actually telling me that I was like stupid 
but like in a good way because like I know twisting news all to the floor in a 450 to the floor and you guys just didn't want to see me get hurt but in my mind it was all like I'm gonna do something where people remember me and I'm gonna make sure I'm on every show after this and it worked yeah exactly well, in fairness, I've been telling you you're stupid for years, but you never listened to me and you're you know, right to do that. And it's kind of fun. You're mentioning like the younger talent because now like the, the business is changing and we're seeing, you know, AEW signing 17 year old kids. So it's, it's interesting the way things evolve. Totally. And I think, but I think that's always been a step. Like, I think you can look back again to like uh, TJ and, and, and Harry and Ted and them wrestling that their matches when they were so young too. Like, you know what I mean? We come almost come from a legacy of people wrestling and breaking the age barriers. And stuff Cause like didn't that. they do like house show matches when they were like 11 and 12 years old? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that, there you go. There's like showing that it's always been kind of a trajectory from Calgary kind of energy to like, kind of add some youth, inject some youth into the sport. And I think, you know, the cream rises to the top and the, and the talent always shines through. So, 100%. Okay, so I'm going to give you guys a therapeutic exercise here to try to, to see if we can bring some harmony here. And I'm going to let the two of you decide whose song gets played first. I'm going to bow out of this and let you guys hash this out. Well, I think, you know, it's since I feel that I'm a guest on this show, you and uh, Michael have had done this before, that I think that Michael should go first. I think his song should be chosen to go first. Mr. Blaze, mm-hmm. your rebuttal? I feel like my song very much explains our history and what's come between us and everything. So I don't know. Maybe that's how we end it off. Oh, okay. Okay. So we're already, we're, already, we're already coming ahead. It blows here. Okay, fine. Yeah. I had a feeling. Okay. Well, I'm going to make the executive decision, and we are going to go with, uh, with Ravenous Randy's song first. You have picked a punk rock band, which I appreciate. Uh, this is a, a song uh, called Savior by Rise Against. Explain to me why you picked this song. It's funny because this song um, was a song that was like um, kind of like came out right when I was leaving Calgary, right before um, I moved out to made the move out to Vancouver. Uh, and it was always like being played on the radio. And it was kind of when we had had such a like, like we said up to now we've had such a great relationship as a mentor uh like teacher friend student relationship that had built in like little brother big brother just brothers in general like not trying to put one power over the other one but we kind of grown this like mutual respect over the years i trained uh with michael and like from seeing him from that very quiet kid to seeing him doing these 450s at the pwa show to having him win his first championship belt uh, off of me to watching him grow like so much. And then we ended up having a bit of a falling out before I left Calgary. And this isn't just somebody I trained with. This isn't just a fellow wrestler or like a coworker. This is like a best friend. Um, I'm an only child. I don't, I mean, it's just me and my mom growing up. I wasn't really had a lot of family. So my friends mean a lot to me and the relationships I make and the bonds I make with people, uh, quite often with friends and run deeper than they ever have with actual blood family. And so whether like losing that connection um, with Michael was not easy for me. And, and then this song was always playing and I don't think I was necessarily in the, in the most happy place. I don't saying I blame anyone for, it was about us both needing growth. And there were just some lyrics in this song that made me feel that, at that time that I was like, I wanted to, 
I wanted to, like, I felt like funny enough that I wanted to be the savior. I wanted to be a savior. I wanted to help, um, to help Michael. I was fearing that maybe he was going down a path or something, doing something that I didn't, or going to places I didn't want to see him go. And I thought that maybe I could save him from that. And so that's where these lyrics hit home for me. Very well said. We're going to talk a little bit about your your leaving Alberta as soon as this song is done. This is uh, Rise Against. This is Savior on the Punk and Pile Drivers podcast. It kills me not to know this, but I've all but just forgotten what the color of her eyes were and her scars or how she got them. Has the telling signs of a drain down a single tear is dropping to the valleys of an aging face that this world has forgotten There is no reconciliation that will put me in my place and there is no time like a present to drink these draining seconds Oh 
Let us rise against that is Savior, the ravenous pick on the Punk and Powderers podcast. I'm joined by the uh, two uh, athletes competing in the main event of Love Pro Wrestling 3. We're a happy family, Ravenous Randy and Michael Richard Blaze. And Randy, right before that song break, you were talking about uh, when you left Alberta. You left Alberta for BC in 2011. Give us a little bit of backstory as to why that happened. I had been wrestling in, like I said, I started my, I had my first match in 2001. I'd been started training in 2000. So I basically been, I had wrestled for all the promotions or majority of the promotions in Alberta and felt like I had wrestled and had all the feuds and held all the titles that I had set of goals to have. And I was had an opportunity to come out to Vancouver and do some wrestling out here uh, and work with ECCW at the time. And that was just like, it felt like an opportunity I didn't want to let pass me by. I, like I said, I'd wrestled everyone. I'd wrestled uh, Michael at this point, like countless times. I'd wrestled PPD countless times. Everyone I kind of had my, my turn with in the ring and been fortunate enough to dance with so many people great people out of Alberta that I wanted to kind of expand my wings and see what I could do on the West coast. So I came out to Vancouver and that did a lot of work for ECCW and then did some different work for different promotions out here and just kind of found my, found my rooting out here and then just kind of continued to grow because I felt I was stuck in Alberta and I wasn't growing anymore. So I wanted to kind of like further my growth and see how much further I could take this thing. Did it feel like starting over again a little bit? Was it like being the new kid in class or were you able to kind of slide in and be pretty comfortable? Well, I think because I've been coming out here for like three years previously or maybe even more, um, like for trips kind of in the summer and stuff like that. And we would like kind of get a carload of us Albertans and truck out here with like Alex Plexus and, and BVD and, and Michael and just we like kind of truck out here and and do those shows so it wasn't like we were brand new but there definitely was like a, a sense of like you know we're the new kids in the block and we're like now on every show the audience was kind of used to us but then had to kind of like get used to us all the time is there anything they do differently out there that you had to kind of relearn or adjust to or is wrestling 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 for the most part but you know what i mean there's different like whether it be lingo or whether it be like just little things within the culture uh like you know things like uh, niceties and stuff like that and how to like showing respect and stuff like that that is just different in one place than the other um training techniques and stuff like that so that's always great to like learn kind of like something that's slightly different but the same so it's very comfortable but you're also it's easy to make those adjustments then but yeah, for the some, most part, it's like, uh, it, it's pretty much the same wrestling. That is something that I talked to, uh, to Andy Anderson about. I, I asked, you know, when you go to somewhere like Mexico or Japan, where you don't speak the language, is it hard to put together a match and hard to kind of do business? And he said, wrestling is a universal language. and You guys just kind of make it happen. Um, uh, totally, which is beautiful. Yeah. Michael, uh, when you first learned that, that Randy was leaving, what were, what were your thoughts when Randy was leaving? Um, I think when I first heard that he was leaving, I wasn't like honestly overly like shocked because at the time we weren't like talking very much at that time, but they were like going out to BC. Like there was a little group that was going out to BC a lot more at that point. And like Randy and Plexus were part of that group and they were the ones that ended up moving out there. I remember being like sad though, because it was like, there's so much more I still like, and I understand 
if he felt like he couldn't do more here and was stuck here, but like I felt like there's so much more that could be done here and that it was like leaving a lot of us behind when we're trying to like build this thing, which he was like a pivotal part of. And I felt like, damn, like we here has so much talent and like here has so much that we're cultivating. And it's just like all it takes is everybody working together and trying really hard to push it forward. And then all of a sudden, one of the like pillars of that, one of the like top, top guys we had at the time that was like helping us through all that is just gone is how I felt. Um, Randy, did you keep tabs on MRB while you, when, we, when you left, did you kind of keep an eye on what he was up to and his matches and those kind of things? Yeah, I continued to watch him grow and, uh, see him take on one of those top roles. Um, sometimes people need to leave a situation, especially in wrestling. It's great to like shuffle the deck sometimes, you know what I mean? Cause you never know. Again, you, the cream always rises to the top. Um, and just seeing him get like just keep growing and like watching from afar as he starts wrestling like these stars and these people start taking note of him from all over Canada, all over the world, uh, these bigger names and him being able to like just continue to grow. So I definitely noticed that. And I, and I couldn't help but notice that like appreciate what was being done for the Alberta scene and that it wasn't being left to die in my absence mrb did you keep tabs on, on what randy was doing in bc and the name he was making for himself um i watch like everything when it comes to wrestling so i was like paying a lot of attention to what randy was doing out there and what everybody else was doing out there for that matter and like it was cool to see but i was just like i remember looking at it and thinking like some of the stuff out here is so cool it's so like awesome what he's doing out there why can't like that be here too? If that makes any sense, like why yeah. can't like we be doing this together? Why can't we be traveling and doing this stuff together? Why can't we be growing this together? But I did keep tabs, and it was like super cool to see. And obviously, there was change and like growth, and he got even better than he was before. But it was a little, it was a little hard to watch sometimes as like the young kid that was left behind. Did you guys communicate at all? No, not really. Because I, I remember think we saw it talk to each other for about four years, five years. Because I remember uh, uh, you guys might remember the, the Juggalo uh, show that you guys both worked on, and we, we ran into each other uh, in the locker room there. And I, I felt like maybe that would be the first time you guys had seen each other in a while. It was. Do you yeah, guys remember, remember that? that well, yeah, it was that show. Was it awkward kind of meeting up again? I don't it was, know. What... It was interesting. I wouldn't say it was awkward. I would just say it was like it wasn't the same as it was before. For sure. Yeah. Something definitely had changed. I remember I, I, I took you inside that night and tried to make amends or at least tried to explain my side of the situation and show that I still cared. I, I, I don't know how that was taken. Well, the thing is, is like, you could say what you wanted at that time, but you were leaving and I was still here and I was still making things work here. And I was still trying to push forward. I was still trying to put this place on the map. And so like, what can you really say at that point? 
well, you did that. You did put this place on the map. You did exactly what you were setting out to do. And those were our, those were our different journeys, I think. Yeah. I guess, I guess you can put it that way. I guess that's one way of looking at it. Well, what's the other way of looking at it? I just, I feel like on my end, I talk about being a savior and everything, but really I'm just the guy that didn't give up. I'm just the guy that like wanted to do this and wanted to make it here and wasn't making excuses that I was stuck in Alberta because I think Alberta is awesome. And like you said, I showed that it could be done. Yeah. And I'm going to keep showing it. it could be done. And I'm sorry to cut you off. I like the excuses feels like that kind of feels like a low blow. I wasn't making excuses by any means. I still wanted, I didn't give up either. I just relocated. I wanted to see where, how far I could spread my wings in other places and maybe have other opportunities come up. And like now that I'm older, I like totally get that. And I see that like 100%. And I'm, I'm honestly like, I look back at like the young kid that I was and I'm like proud of you for doing all of that. But it doesn't change the fact that I was that young kid and I felt like this guy that was like my brother abandoned me. So there's obviously I look at it like going away to college. Like I was I was still there. Uh I might not have been reaching out to you, but you knew where I was. We both that's equal parts, you know, and 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 then to, to not have that olive branch uh accepted again at the love show, that that fucking sucks, dude. Like, I I don't know what I can do at this point, you know? I've apologized multiple times to your face, and it seems like my words, like you say, they don't matter. My actions in the past, you know who I am. And look how well you did without me. It wasn't like you needed me. You didn't need me. You needed me to go. And like... Maybe that's all true, but like, I think the problem is, is we're all looking at this as if everybody except for me is looking at this as if I need some sort of closure, but you're right. I needed you to go. And that's all I need now. I just need you to disappear again. There's not like, I don't need closure. I don't need you to say sorry to me. I don't need like any of this. I just need you to go. Well, maybe the closure isn't for you. Maybe I need some closure. Maybe I miss my friend. Maybe I miss my brother. Maybe I know that I made some mistakes in the past and I'm man enough to know, human enough to know that I'm willing to make a mistake, admit that I made those mistakes. And that's all cool. And I'm glad you did that growth. And I'm glad like all of this was so like good for you and that you've done so many amazing things. But I missed you for all those years and I made myself stop caring. I gave up on ever getting an apology. I gave up on getting closure. My closure is just go. And like, if we have to keep doing this and we have to keep fighting and I have to keep beating you or doing whatever I have to do to make you go, that's what we're going to do. Well, that's just it, sunshine. You're going to have to beat me pretty damn bad to get me out of your life. Because at this point, at this point, darling, we're family and I'm there for you no matter fucking what. So deal with it. And speaking of that, I hate to interject in here, but we're running out of time. I'm so sorry. Uh, MRB, this ties into the song that, that you picked. And this song is very kind of emotional. And you, it, you told me about it. And it really speaks to, to what you're feeling right now. Tell me a bit about this song that you've picked 
Uh, and we're going to go out to part one of this. We're going to talk about the the the, vol- the match you guys had at Love Pro Wrestling 2. But tell me about uh, uh, this, this song that you want to, we're going to go out to today. Um, the song's called Family by Bad Flower. And if you listen to the lyrics, listen to them closely, it's basically a song about like a family that, that's torn apart and, and the one guy feeling like he's the reason for all, all of it. And when I was younger, that's kind of what I felt like. And the last lyric of this, like, you may not believe it. Everything I'm saying right now, you may not believe it. But every time I said I love you, I meant that. And, like, the fact that I didn't have that back for so long is exactly why I feel the way I do now. And, yeah. Randy, do you have a quick rebuttal to that? play the song um, all right i love you too all right we're gonna go uh this is gonna end up uh, a part one of this chat it got a little bit more real than i expected to um next week we're gonna come back with these two and we're gonna talk about uh the match they had at love pro wrestling 2 and, and the controversial finish and, and what happened after that match oh i'm all frazzled i'm so sorry we're gonna talk about what's gonna happen uh, we're a happy family and these two are gonna go to war once again thank you so much for for you guys joining me and uh this is family by bad flower on the punk and Potters podcast and we're gonna continue this next week bitter on a guilty tone it's hard to see i'm the chosen one fake friends with a camera phone ugly drunk cold and missing home this home of mine i see it in my dreams where everyone looks happy and everyone still likes me this home of mine i miss it all the time what happened to this family what happened to this family Sex calls hugs birthday cards Thoughtful can be so hard First 15 years, I'm the favorite son Last 15 years, I'm the hated one This heart of mine gets blacker all the time Affection makes me nauseous Believe me, I don't want Sisters cry, I never say I love you, even though I want to, I'm just my father's son, my mother's kid, a shitty brother, I'm nobody's friend.